Amen. Well, first of all, I want to welcome again our Connect Camps team over there. We're grateful you're here. We hope you have a great time. Yeah, we can clap for them because... Uh, While you're sitting in your air conditioning this week, they'll be enduring the 102, we're praying, uh, 102 uh, heat index. That's a real prayer uh, because if you've ever been to a camp, you know there's lots of outside time. But uh, when the temperature gets a certain level, we've got to bring kids inside. And so we want to keep them outside and having fun, enjoying things, learning about Jesus. And so uh, I want you to pray for them uh, this week. Uh, we'll have over 150 some odd or more of uh, kindergarten through sixth graders here. It's going to be a great time. And uh, it'll be so great because we just, uh, a group just got back from preteen camp, uh, which was exciting and fun down in Palacios, Texas. Uh, I mentioned last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, the oldest camp west of the Mississippi. Uh, I was there 30 years ago uh, as a college student, and uh, it's changed a little. Uh, and so... Uh, thanks, thanks, Chad. Appreciate that. Uh, one of you appreciated that. Uh, and, and so it was a great time for our preteens. Uh, I was there on Tuesday night uh, after being out last Sunday at the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Uh, they make me go to that because I'm on a committee. And uh, I got to experience worship on Tuesday night. And uh, the, the camp pastor challenged our preteens uh, to be like Bereans. And so if you don't know what, the Berean, what a Berean is, uh, that's your homework for the week. Uh, look up in the Bible what a Berean is. Uh, because a Berean, uh, the Bereans in the New Testament were the people who studied, examined, who knew the Word of God. Uh, and he challenged our preteens, a great challenge to us as well, that we would know the Word of God. They would know it so well that we would be able to detect the deception, the lies that the enemy has for us uh, because we would be so in tune with, with God's word. And so it was a great week of camp, uh, lots of fun. We're going to have more fun this week uh, with Connect Camps. Thank you uh, to those of you that are hosting uh, these uh, college students for us. Uh, you're a great blessing to all of us. And while we're meeting here today for worship uh, upstairs in the Beale Building, somewhere between two and 3,000 people are joining the church uh, today, uh, which is true, which is true, between two and 3,000 people, around 12, I think, actually, is the real number, uh, but between two and 3,000 people are joining the church uh, around 13, 12 or 13, and so I'm excited about that, that we'll have some new members who will join in and lock arms with us as a church. I'm just making sure you're awake today because the passage today is... PG-13, I didn't say that in the first service before we started reading, it's PG-13 today, uh, and it's tough because it's about shame. And uh, public shaming is, is a fine art today uh, in our world. Uh, we like to shame people publicly. Uh, it's true of movie stars and athletes. It's true of, of your friend set on social media that if we don't agree with you, then we'll tell you and the 3,000 people that we know that, that might check uh, our status. And, and what shaming does is, is actually a strange thing. It, it's, it's the idea of publicly pressuring you to change your belief artificially, to, to backtrack, to cower down, to retreat because you've been embarrassed, you've been humiliated 
to, to change your way because you've been exposed. And today, as we look at Nahum chapter 3, I want to encourage you to try to get there, page 783 in my Bible, if that helps you. Uh, past Amos, uh, before Matthew, uh, you'll get close and, and find it. But we're going to be in chapter 3 today, and, and we're kind of wrapping up this book of Nahum, which is all about the destruction of Nineveh, the, the wrath and justice of God coming down on a nation who had rejected him over and over and over again. If you don't know much and you haven't been here the last few weeks, uh, you might have heard of Nineveh before. If you've been in church a while, uh, you know that Jonah, the prophet, God told him to go to Nineveh to preach to the Ninevites, the enemy of Israel, the arch enemy of Israel. I want you to go to your arch enemy and preach repentance. And Jonah said, I've got a better idea. I'm going to go the other way. And so God used some uh, marine biology to help him uh, find his way. He makes it to Nineveh, preaches a five-word sermon uh, probably 150 times as he walked through the city. And what do you know? The people repent. They change their ways. They, they turn from their wickedness and they turn to God. But now here we are, as Nahum is writing, about a hundred years later. And in three or four generations, the Ninevites had turned back to their wickedness. So it should be a strong call for all of us. That, that we as the people of God are probably one or two generations from wickedness, if we don't continue to stand firm uh, in the faith. And so let's look at Nahum chapter 3. I remind you, PG 13 today, okay? Nahum 3, verse 1 Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. No end to the prey, the crack of the whip, a rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot. Horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies. And all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will lift up your skirts over your face, and I will make nations look at your nakedness and kingdoms at your shame. I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. And all who look at you will shrink from you and say, wasted is Nineveh, who will grieve for her. Where shall I seek comforters for you? So, Pretty strong indictment here uh, from the Lord against a city, against a nation. He, he comes at them full force, and he's going to come at them full force. And it's really kind of a gradual idea. If you look at these first few verses, he goes from whips to wheels to horses to chariots to the cavalry coming in, spears and swords ready to go to attack what he calls the bloody city. And Nineveh was called the bloody city uh, because they were known uh, for their atrocities. Maybe even that as you walked in the city, you would see the soldiers with their spears and their, their swords and their armor full of blood from the conquest of other nations. 
And so it was a city built on blood and destruction, uh, on destroying others. And so God declares a woe to them, a, a remorse for them. And as one commentator put it, he said, God was against her and is against every nation, no matter how wealthy, powerful, or self-sufficient it might be, that disregards divine authority and tramples on human life. When, when a people, when a nation, a people group, decides that they are self-sufficient, that they are all-powerful, that, that they have no regard for other humanity, uh, God is against you. And so what would God do to them? He would uncover their private areas. He would expose them. He would expose their nakedness. He would bring shame upon them. He would lift their skirts. The most, one of the most famous photos in all of history in, in American culture is of Marilyn Monroe standing over an air grate with her hand on her skirt as it tries to, because there are some things that need to remain private. Lots of things that need to remain private. And not just biologically, anatomically. There are lots of things that need to remain private. And what Nahum is saying here is that your recklessness, your sin, your shameful activity is going to be exposed for all to see. And so I want you to think about your most embarrassing moment. Maybe for some of our Connect Camp staff, that happened this summer. <laughs> Perhaps. I want you to think about it. Your most embarrassing moment. Now, my guess is you have a most embarrassing moment that you're willing to share publicly, maybe at an icebreaker game at Christmas. You're willing to share that most embarrassing moment. But my guess is you have another most embarrassing moment that you will never share. Because there's shame, not just embarrassment, shame involved in that. And that's what Nahum is getting at. Nahum is getting at, Nineveh, you have been so horrific and there's so much shame associated with your behavior that I, I'm going to let everyone see it. And your worst nightmare is going to be exposed. Because you've been against me and against my people. And not just are you going to be exposed, but I'm going to throw filth at you. I'm going to treat you with contempt. They have made God their enemy. There are lots of translations for that word filth, but one of the translations is human excrement. They're going to have poo thrown at them. That's, that's how bad. That, that, that's the depth of their sin and how shamed they will be. Nineveh's glory, Right? One of the most powerful nations on the earth at that point. They will be turned to filth. They will be reduced to rubble. And so if God hasn't gotten their attention or our attention yet, he compares them to a city that they conquered, that the, the Ninevites, the Assyrians conquered. Look at verse 8. Are you better than Thebes 
that sat by the Nile with water around her. Thebes was in a strategic part of the Nile River where they were surrounded by water on every side, a very defensible position when it came to being attacked. But the Ninevites found a way to destroy Thebes. So he's asking, are you just like Thebes? Water all around her, her rampart a sea, and water her wall. Cush was her strength. Cush are the Ethiopians, the Cushites. Those are people from Ethiopia, modern-day Ethiopia. That's their ancestors, the Cushites. Egypt, too, and that without limit. Put and the Libyans were her helpers. Yet she became an exile. She went into captivity. Her infants were dashed into pieces at the head of every street. For her honored men, lots were cast, and all her great men were bound in chains. You also will be drunken. You will go into hiding. You will seek a refuge from the enemy. He compares them to this great city that the Ninevites had overpowered. They had made alliances. The, the Thebes had, had made alliances with these other areas and it didn't help. And God's saying, I'm going to come and do the same to you. you. You think you have all these alliances. That's why he calls uh, earlier them a prostitute because they had sort of sold themselves to all these other nations to, to be sort of this conglomerate of war-making countries. And so now I'm coming after you. And you're not going to know what's happening. You're going to be like a drunkard. You're not going to know which way is up. You're not going to know who's coming from where. You're, you're going to have no idea what's going on. And it's going to be so bad because it's going to be so bad because you were so bad. He, he writes there in this passage that at the head of every street, that's the intersection of all the major streets. Instead of taking the women and children of the Thebes into captivity, no, the Ninevites took the women and children to the intersection of every street and slaughtered them in front of the men, in front of the armies, in front of the nobles, wiping out an entire generation of people and then took the men into captivity. That's how ruthless they were. And, and so Nahum is just describing their sin in detail. I'm not sure I want God to describe my sin in detail. And I'm not sure you would either. But that's what's happening here. Because most of us look at this passage and say, man, these dudes are bad. I'm glad I'm not that bad. Well, the last time I checked, if you and I have committed one sin... We're guilty of all. And that's not a, a fun place for us to want to think about. Because sometimes what happens is we diminish our sin and we elevate the sin of others. That's why we like to shame people, because it makes us feel better. And what God is doing in this moment is he's bringing his wrath upon the people. And he finishes up this uh, taunting poem. If you, if you were here last Sunday, Matt talked a lot about God smack talking them. Well, here it is. This is it. Verse 12. All your fortresses are like fig trees. Uh, I've just stopped real quick. This is a side note. Anybody that lives in Friendswood have a fig tree. 
One, two, three. Okay, good. Perfect. Wonderful. Because our city was like a big fig, fig industry uh, way back in the 1890s and early 1900s, but I don't see any a- anymore, so I'm glad you have some. Good. Uh, okay, so on, that's just a side note. We need a little like break from this uh, death and mayhem today. All your fortresses are like fig trees, the first with first ripe figs. If shaken, they fall into the mouth of the eater. Behold, your troops are women in your midst. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. Fire has devoured your bars. Draw water for the siege. This is where he's taunting them. Hey, get ready. Strengthen your forts. Go into the clay. Tread the mortar. Take hold of the brick mold. There will, be, there, there, will, there will the fire devour you. The sword will cut you off. It will devour you like the locusts. Multiply yourselves like the locusts. Multiply like the grasshopper. You increased your merchants more than the stars of the heavens. The locust spread its wings and flies away. Your princes are like grasshoppers. Your scribes like clouds of locusts settling on the fences in the day of cold. In a day of cold, when the sun rises, they fly away. No one knows where they are. Your shepherds are asleep. O king of Assyria, your nobles slumber. Your people are scattered on the mountain with none to gather them. There is no easing your hurt. Your wound is grievous. All who hear the news about you clap their hands over you. For upon whom has not come your increasing evil. What a question to end a book. For upon whom has not come your increasing evil? Is there anyone in the world who you haven't messed over, who you haven't destroyed, who you haven't attacked? Is there anyone? Your soldiers are going to become like women. The enemy would set fire to the city. Their their soldiers, their noblemen, their leaders, everybody's going to be like a grasshopper or a locust and fly away. They're going to scatter in the wind. There's going to be no one. God's wrath is coming. God's wrath falls on those who consistently, continually reject him. In this passage, this kind of final statement to the Ninevites is one that as we look at the difference sort of between the Old Testament and the God of history and the New Testament is a struggle sometimes because we, we, we have difficulty on occasion reconciling the God of wrath and holy justice with the God of love who is all loving who loves you and me unconditionally. We have a hard time putting those two together in, into one Almighty God, creator of the universe. But that's who he is. He's perfect and holy. He's without blemish. And he he cannot be in the presence of sin. And when a nation or a person continually refuses to accept his authority... There's justice. He would not be an all-loving, all-powerful God if that was not true. I mentioned the very first week, he would be like a good old grandpa who we sit on his lap and he just gives us peppermints. That's what we would think of him. 
but he wouldn't be a perfect God. And, and so how do we reconcile this? How, how do we glean some things? So I just want to give you a few things today as we wrap up this book. And next week, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and, and talk about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and, and help us see even more clearly, like, God loves us and, and he's handled this issue of our rebellion. But be very clear, sin puts you and me in opposition to God. God is holy, and he is in no way connected to sin. And sometimes it's hard for you and I to take sin seriously. Even when we look at this, we say, well, I'm glad I'm not like those Ninevites. I haven't dragged a kid out in the middle of the street and run over him because he, you know, played in my yard. I'm not terrible. But we miss sometimes in that our own sin. And even though the consequence of sin may not be immediately tangible. We have to be clear. Sin puts us in a position as an enemy of God. The New Testament speaks very clear to that. Ephesians, it, we talk about it all the time. We talk about our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace we are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. It is a gift of God. We love that passage. People share it all the time when they're trying to help someone understand God's love for them and understand salvation, how to understand what it means to, to become a follower of Christ and, and turn from our sin that, that is a gift that God gives us. But just two past, three passages before that, it talks about our condition before we receive the gift. It says we're children of wrath apart from God. We're enemies of God when we're stuck in our sin. But the beauty and the, the majesty of our God is that he's made a way. And that way is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus paid the penalty for us. He paid our debt. He, he became our substitute for the punishment that we deserved so that we could be a friend of God and not an enemy of God. And so don't forget, even as a follower of Jesus Christ, even if you've placed your faith in Christ, when you and I sin, it, it hinders that relationship and, and God is constantly calling us. And what we want to do sometimes, and I'm jumping ahead, we want to run away when God says to run to him. We, we sang about it this morning. We sang about it. And so I want to be a friend of God. I don't want to be a person who's defined by shame because that's what sin does. Sin brings shame upon us. There's an entire field of study about shame. And shame in, in, in other cultures is a big deal, particularly in the Asian culture. Honor and shame are, are huge concepts. For us today, shame is no big deal. Like, oh, you know, we'll expose anything on social media. And I mean anything. Like we, we've lost this idea of decorum. We've lost the idea of, of privacy. We've lost this idea of modesty. We've lost the idea of truth. And so you just, you share whatever truth you want and it's okay. We've missed it. It's why I titled the passage, if you get the e-newsletter, I titled the passage, Keep Your Clothes On. 
Because that's more metaphorical than, you know, literal. It's literal. Please keep your clothes on, <laughs> particularly in public. But, but, but what happens so often is that we just expose everything about ourselves, good, bad, and ugly, and we don't realize how sometimes that's shameful to bring those things. It's dishonoring to God. But there is this, what Nahum is speaking to, a God-produced shame when private things are made public, when shameful things come to light. Because there's a certain humiliation, and I don't mean that in a very negative way. I mean in a, in a humbling way. Sin is humiliating. Sin should humble us and make us realize how frail we are, how fallen we are so that we can run to the majesty of God. We can run to the majesty of God. Because what I know oftentimes is that when we feel humiliated by sin, when we really like we know we're in a mess, what happens so often is we run away from God and we run away from the people of God. And sometimes we do it on our own and sometimes that just happens to us because your friends and your family know like you need to get your act together. Because sin isolates us. It isolates us. And the Ninevites, you know, they were alone in their rebellion. They were defenseless. All their allies were gone. All their leaders were scattered. The king was all by himself in his sin. Because sin takes us away from the people of God. And the very person, Jesus Christ, who we're designed to walk closely with. And so when you find yourself in one of those shameful moments, one of those moments of humiliation because you know you've failed, let me encourage you, don't run away from the people of God. Don't run away from Jesus. Run back hard. Because that's why we're here. We're, we're here to help you. We're here to walk alongside you because we're all messed up too. We just don't have to be messed up right now in the same way you are. And that's okay. That's why we're here. And so run to the people of God. And then finally, I, I want you to know that God's holy justice always prevails. And, and this is the part where uh, it, it's difficult for us to, to look and to read these passages and then flip literally just a few pages to the right and, and see Jesus in the New Testament. But if you read the New Testament closely, you'll see that sin has a high price. Sin had a high price for the Ninevites. Their nation was destroyed forever. Done. The ruins still exist, but that's what they are, ruins. God's justice prevailed because he's a perfect almighty God. And these were a people filled with sin and rebellion, despicable, deplorable. But the same is true of every person who's ever lived, that we were born sinners. And even if you weren't born a sinner, your fallen humanity, you would create sin on your own. Nobody taught you how to lie. Just ask a three-year-old. Nobody taught you how to be selfish. 
Ask your child or grandchild for their favorite toy. And you'll see how sinful we are very clearly. But the good news in all of this is that God's holy justice prevails is very true in Nahum's time in 600 BC, but it's also true in 2023. Because God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. One single sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews says a sacrifice for all time, a once and for all sacrifice, a single sacrifice to pay the penalty of all of humanity's sin, to pay the penalty so that the holy justice of God would be satisfied. And now he sits at the right hand. And so if you're here today and you read Nahum and you think, whew, and that that God means business. Well, yes, he does. But that God also loves you. And he loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much that he gave himself as the sacrifice, as the payment for you to cover your sin, to pay the penalty of your sin. He died so that you wouldn't have to die. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago. His name is Jesus. And he paid that once and for all sacrifice for you and me. That the payment of sin, the penalty of rebellion, the wrath of God would be satisfied. And that you and I could have a relationship forever with the God of the universe. And he calls us to, by faith, receive that gift. That's a gift. That someone else died for me. That's a gift. And he calls us to receive that gift by faith. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you this morning to walk away from what is eternal separation from God and walk into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ that promises you friendship with God, that promises you an eternity with your heavenly Father, which promises you as a family who will love you and care for you and walk beside you, that you wouldn't experience the fate of being separated from God out of rebellion, that you would receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And so when we stand and sing in a moment, I want to invite you to come. I'll be down front. A couple of our other guys will be down here. We'd love to pray with you, help you walk through what that means to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But I also want to invite those of you that already know Jesus. You have a relationship with Christ. I, I would invite you to come and pray. To pray for our nation. To, to pray for our community. Uh, to pray for our church. That, that we would be a people who understand purity, that we understand holiness, that we understand what it means to have decorum, that we would turn and, and not devalue human life, but to, to exalt the beauty of all creation. And so I invite you to pray that we would be a people who honor God with all of who we are. So will you bow with me as we pray, and then we're going to stand and sing, I invite you to respond 
we stand and sing. Lord, hear our prayers this morning.